Warning! The following podcast may contain language and subject matter not suitable for all ages or everyone. If you don't like what you're listening to, please press stop. You're tuned into K-Pop. It's Life in Korea with your hosts, Scott, Adam, and Phil. It's K-Pop, Life in Korea. I'm one of the hosts, Scott, and sitting across from me is Phil, Phil Halsings. Wonderful, Scott. And this week, Adam's away in Canada. Happy birthday, home. Adam. Yeah, it's his birthday, I think, today, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. And this week, we got another guest on the show. We have Sean White, who's from USA. Ah, uh, that's true. I'm from USA. Um, you don't sound like it. I know I don't. So I'm active Navy here in Chinhae, uh, South Korea. And um, I grew up in a Scotch town, you know, in uh, Indiana. And um, yeah, so... I guess just that influence, you know, until I was, I was a wee lad, about eight. And then um, I went to public schools and everything. But that little section of the town was all Celtic, you know. So you had Scotch, Irish, English, Welsh, Isle of Man, Manx, and Shetland. And um, we all kind of grew up together. So that's how I sound how I am. Plus my dad and my granddad, they're both Scotch. So, I mean, there's that. So you're from the U.S. We're about in the U.S. South Bend, Indiana. Actually, yeah. I guess go Notre Dame. Yeah, it's true. Blue, bleeding gold, man. Yeah. A blue, bleeding gold. Play like a champion. What? Play like a champion. Play like a champion, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea exactly where that is, but... Uh, it's about 10 miles south of the Michigan border from Niles. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, right, it's like right on the border. Right on the border? Of, of Indian, uh, Indiana and Michigan. Okay. Yeah. I know Michigan, but no idea about Indiana. It's all good. It's mostly caught in flatland anyways. There's not much to really see there anymore. So how long have you uh, have you been in Korea? Ah, about six and a half months. Yeah. yeah. It's been a good time. So you're a newbie here. Ah, I suppose so. Yeah. Yeah. Generally, yeah. <laughs> what brought you here? Ah, uh, it's Navy. Uh, I selected these orders. It's between uh, Chinhae, South Korea, or Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. And I picked South Korea just because I'm a fair-skinned folk and I don't fare well in the sun. Nah. <laughs> you and Scott Yeah, for sure Yeah, I'm no kidding, man So your accent ah. it, it, it comes in thicker sometimes Sometimes Yeah Alright, so when I was eight My my granddad just passed And my dad remarried this girl down the road About two and a half miles Yeah And um, when he remarried uh, We went We started going to a different school A different school Different kids It was a public school versus a private school and my dad, and he was like, "Listen, boy." He was talking to my sister and I. He was like, uh, "I don't, I don't want you to to be different. You know, the boys and girls are going to pick on you, you know, throughout school." And why would they pick on you? Just because we're different. And that was true. Ever like I can remember everything since when I was the boy, and I always got picked on because of my accent, because I was different. You know, where did you come from? This, that, and the other. I have to say the same story every now and again. You know, and um, it was true. You know, my dad. He hit it right in the head. So he put my sister and I through speech therapy for about two and a half years. And we were able to develop this this mask, if a facade, if you will, um, to be able to speak with enunciated vowels and consonants. So you have, do you have a different accent? Like, can you do a... This is, right now, this is my Midwestern accent. Your Midwestern? My Midwestern, Yes. This is so I could I could survive, yeah. you know. For most of the time at work, this is how I sound. 
because I, I get judged and scrutinized and made fun of and everyone just keeps talking about it and asking me questions and I just, I don't know, I'd, I'd rather not deal with it. So I, I, I kind of put this on. And then when I slip up and people kind of like squint their eyes at me, they're like, wait, like, where, where are you from? And then I'm like, oh. So I have, to go, I have to go into it all over again, you know. Yeah. So it's like it, it's it's successful in you know, half the time I'd say, but you know now it's I have no filter. This is just me how it is. I I feel like you have a lovely accent. I appreciate it, lad. Thanks, yeah. man. How so, long have you uh, have you been playing the guitar? I've been playing for about sixteen years now. I started playing when I was about eleven, and it was my mother's guitar that my father bought her when I was when they were still together, and. Um, it was pretty much just a piece of driftwood with strings. It was a, <laughs> it was shite guitar. I can't even. It's a Goya. Goya was made by Martin. It was okay, like okay. one of the sub 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 divisions, you know, type deal. Uh, it was shitty guitar, and I played that for about eleven years. And then Mum, she bought me this Breedlove. What's that? A Breedlove is so you have Breedlove and the man who made Breedlove, and then you, the man who made Breedlove has a brother. And they both used to work for Taylor Guitars. Okay. Which I actually have a Taylor now. I sold the Breedlove and bought a Taylor on my own. My mom bought me the Breedlove about, geez, I was, what, 17, 27 now, so about 10 years ago. And um, when I started playing it, like, it, the action was just right, you know, like, the the strings were perfect, and you know, the body was perfect. And everything that I had been, like, stuck on playing just kind of, exploded with creativity because I could do so much more. So from 11 until 17, I was kind of stunted. But as soon as she got me this guitar that was set up right, you know, had the right action, had the right everything, not warped or you know, anything like that, cause it, it, was, it was perfect. And then I started really getting getting into like harmonics and uh, like tap percussion and everything like that and alternate tunings. And so I was playing that guitar for quite some time and then when a couple of years later, when I came back from Afghanistan, um, I ended up purchasing a, a Taylor 514, and that was just kind of my thing. Like, I didn't want a Fender, I didn't want a Gibson, you know, I didn't want anything really except for this Taylor. It was the one that the spoke, one true guitar, the one true guitar that spoke out to me, you right. know. And so I played probably 30 of them, you know, in that one day. And the man who sold it to me was just like, "What about this one?" And it was the last one that I played. And I was just like, oh, this, it feels right. It sounds right. I tried all the harmonics. I tried the tap percussion. I tried everything. I even, I bought an amp, you know, with uh, like an extension cabinet to kind of supplement, you know, so I could split the two cabs apart and then I could angle one towards me and angle one towards the crowd. And um, yeah, that, it was perfect. It was like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, <laughs> really, it was. Bacon Wait, and eggs. We was like peas and carrots. Peas and carrots. <laughs> All right, so you recorded a, a couple songs for us today. Yeah. What was the name of the first song that you did? The first song I played was Lessons Learned, and it was like Lessons Learned, like with, uh, with a question mark. So so what was that about? So I was, um, since I came to Korea, I um, don't obviously don't know many people, and um, I met this girl. We started chit-chatting for about a couple of weeks, and then uh, a couple of weeks turned into about a month, and then we eventually met, and... Um, when we met, it was great. You know, everything was fine. And then we started seeing each other. We were dating for about three months. And um, things were kind of like up and down, up and down, you know, just between like, I guess, personalities, if you will. 
And then I met this other girl and um, I was actually like pretty happy. And yeah, like <laughs> everyone listening, I know, brace yourselves, winter is coming. <laughs> you know, so like, I, I, yeah, I made a mistake. You know, I saw this other girl and I saw this outlet for like what I thought happiness should feel like. You know, I was actually, I was actually happy. You know, nothing in the way. Like the other girl had, you know, like depressive problems and, you know, issues like that and everything. And they kind of weighed down on me pretty heavy. And then, like, I, I told myself everything was all right. You know, like, ah, it's all right. You know, like, just stick to it. It'll be all right. And she's a good girl. But then I myself started to kind of go down. And so when I saw this other girl, I met this other girl, we hit it off. And I ended up stepping outside of the boundaries of one relationship when I was already kind of mentally and emotionally checking out into another, and it wasn't quite complete yet. Too and soon, right? What's that? Was it too soon? Um, yeah, I'd say. And so things were going pretty fast with the first one, and I was just like, hang on now. Like, I'm not really too sure about this. But me being who I am, I have had some problems with communication. So I, I guess everything was just kind of like hunky-dory, and everything was good, you know, it was good to find and whatever. So this other girl and I started seeing each other for about a week. And one day, a girl who I was seeing for about three months, she ended up coming over at like midnight. She lived up in Yangsan. And the girl I was seeing, the other girl, the Korean girl, was from Masan. And um, the girl from Yangsan, she knew something was up. She just felt it. And so I was spending time with the girl from, uh, you know, the intercity. And um, they ended up kind of meeting. The girl from Yangsan came to my house and uh, like crossroads yeah it was pretty much like that the girl the Korean girl that I was seeing was walking down the staircase and um, a girl of like three months was just kind of like watching her walk down the staircase and then she opened the door and then they both came up to my apartment afterwards I kind of had a chit chat I guess and then like I heard I was in bed and I heard voices at the door I live in the third floor by the way of this house and um, I opened my door and I see them both in the doorway of the front door and I'm standing in my boxes and I'm just like that's gotta be all I said it's gonna was, be crushing, right? All I said, like I had my heart in my throat, and I was just like, "Good evening, <laughs> good evening, <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock." Yeah. Good evening, good evening. So this was all you wrote this in Korea, then? The yeah, song. I did. It was literally like a day or two after that whole incident happened. You know, like everything kind of fell apart. I lost both people, you know, and I lost a bunch of friends in the pursuit, you know, of like my efforts, if you will, and um. How long did it take you to write the song? Uh, it literally took me maybe 30 to 40 minutes. I like to write. I like to write. I may not be able to put music to the words, but I can write. I can write poetry for what it is. You know, I can... So did you ha- already have the, uh, the melody in mind? Or? No, not at all. You had the words first? I had the words first. Okay. And then usually it's how it goes. I had the words first, and then I ended up kind of like stumbling across this tune I was just playing around with and I it fit you know just like the first song I ever wrote it fit that was that was the first song the first song I wrote um the first song that I played excuse me tonight was the song that happened here in Korea and the the second song I played tonight was the first song I ever wrote yeah so what's the name of the song that you wrote the first song the first song here in Korea or the first song oh here in Korea was it lessons learned with the question mark. With the question mark, yeah. Like, lessons learned? Did I really learn a lesson? You know, because, like, people tend do to... Do we ever learn lessons? That's, that is the point. That was the point. Do we ever learn lessons? Because... Do we fall back in? Someone... Uh, actually, the girl um, that I was dating for three months, she told me, she was like, 
You can't keep living your life leaving a path of destruction behind you. And so uh, that kind of hit me, and I was just like, yeah, you're right. And so it, it took me to look around and look behind myself, and I saw all of the wreckage and the path of destruction that I guess I had kind of built for myself or made for myself, not really building. You can't really Well, I mean, like, I guess we all leave a wreckage behind us, but we don't realize it. Right. And it's all upon ourselves to learn from the lesson. I don't. <laughs> you, you understand your wreckage, right? No wreckage. <laughs> no wreckage. Anyway, this is Lessons Learned. Lessons By Learned. Sean White. Ask me. So we'll Question mark. Question mark. We'll check it out. Lessons learned by Sean White. Sean Michaels. Hi, that's me. No way, Sean Michael White. No, Sean Michaels. <laughs> Heartbreak Kid. Oh, jeez. Ah, nice snowboard. Oh, what else do you want? 
I donated my locks to Wait. Locks of Love, I guess. Yeah. I did too, back in the day. Did you really? Yeah. I didn't. I just lost my hair. Nah. <laughs> yeah. I went bald between a bad marriage and then being in the desert and stress. The Navy will do that to you. <laughs> All right, so you said you're here in South Korea with the Navy. What Indefinitely. Got, what got you into the Navy? Well, um, my parents met in the Navy, actually. and They were both in the Navy? They or? were, yeah. Oh, my okay. dad retired, my mom got out early. And so, I guess, with that upbringing, and I always heard the stories of my dad, not talking about his, like, fruits of the labor, you know, while he's in the Navy and all the cool stories, you know, as a boy, things I probably shouldn't have heard. Um, I was in school, and my both my sisters, they brilliant girls, really, really fucking smart. Really smart. And I was more technical, like with my hands. They're book smart. I'm definitely more like manual labor, like technically apt. So uh, I guess the analogy I had was, you know, they have golden minds and silver hands, but I have a golden hand and a silver mind. You know, if you go into that like level of degradation. The maybe, value. maybe bronze mind. Ah, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Things tarnish over time, yeah. Right. <laughs> but so... My dad told me he was like, join the military, you know, and I, I already had so that. So your father was in the military. He yes. told you to join the military. Yeah. My father was in the military. He was, he was army. Do not join the military. Ah, you know, he, he told me to join the military just for school. He's like, you have free college and you get to travel the world. You learn a trade. He's like, learn a trade. He's like, you don't want to go to school for underwater basket weaving, you know, and spe- waste a bunch of money. And that, right. You know, and so I was like, you know, you're right. And he's like... Uh, he was said construction and medical both of those things will always be needed in this world and so when I went to the process, uh, processing center they offered me two jobs a dental tech or utilities and my dad told me he's like hey if they offer you CB take it CB and I was like what's a CB and he's like it's construction CB stands for construction battalion okay so Walt Disney actually depicted the image of a CB a United States Navy CB. And it's this little cartoon B with a hammer and a wrench and a machine gun. Okay. Yeah. So they, um, the guy at the processing center was like, uh, you have two rates. You know, you struck for two. He's like, DT or UT? I was like, what's a DT? He's like, ah, it's a dental tech. I was like, dental tech? Okay, dentist. All right, cool. And I was like, what's a UT? He's like, oh, it's a CB. And I said, I'll take it. <laughs> so here I am, nine years later. <laughs> How'd you choose... Like, say, between Navy, Army, I don't know. Air the Force. Other, so I, Air Force. He told me he'd break my legs. <laughs> if it wasn't Navy? Oh, he was like, so he was Navy, and he said it. How would he broken your legs? He's not a big man, but he's got the old man strength. <laughs> <laughs> he's my dad. I ain't going to put nothing past him. Nah. Old Scotch bastard. But no, he, um, he was like, ha, I use this term loosely, this phrase. He's like, anyone can be a bullet sponge. Use your fucking head, boy. You know, and so that struck out Marines and that struck out Army. So if I was in either of those, I might have been in the Civil Engineer Corps in both of those branches, but I struck Navy, you know, and that was the first place I went to, you know, because I was like, I'm just going to go Navy. My dad was in the Navy, mom was in the Navy, I'm going to be in the Navy. So, you know, it was just kind of like, it made sense, you know. So I struck for CB, I took it, and uh, yeah, nine years later, I went through Virginia. For three and a half years, I was uh, logistical support and construction support and combat support for naval special warfare. And then went past three and a half years, and I was uh, in conventional Navy, I guess, construction battalion for about three and a half years. 
and doing in transit, I was in training and whatnot. So equal up now here, I'm just a public works engineer, top deal here in Korea for hopefully three, about three years. Been here about six and a half months. I got two and a half more to go. Yeah. How do you find yourself in Korea? Uh, likes, dislikes? I love it. So funny thing, my, um, before my dad met my mother, he had a Korean wife. Actually, when he was here in Korea, because he worked on aircraft. And so that being, I guess, that being said, when I was growing up and I was just a boy, he would always make these, you know, cuisines and these dishes from Guam and from Korea and from the Philippines, because he was all over the Orient for about three, uh, 13 years. And so I grew up on kimchi, I grew up on kalbi and bulgogi, and I grew up on all that stuff, you know. And so I didn't learn language until I was almost coming to here, you know, about three months from me checking in, I started learning my first Korean phrases and words and salutations, if you will. But um, as far as the food goes, I love it. I grew up on it. Do you have a favorite dish? Ooh, that's a tough one. So my dad, he and I actually have our own, like, family galbi recipe. Ooh. Yeah. I can you got to share some, this on the website. I can make some mean galbi. <laughs> You're going to have to make me some galbi. Uh, you know what? Come on over. We'll fucking cook out. Yeah. We're neighbors, by the way. That's true. We're about, what, three blocks away? Yeah. Uh, so and so. But no, yeah. So I love Korean food. Scott loves fish. Mm, I had blowfish yesterday. <laughs> Scott loves fish. Pause. <laughs> He's allergic to fish. <laughs> <laughs> I, try, I, I try to sneak him fish shots. <laughs> oh, God. Go kill him. <laughs> well, I mean, like, well, we have this give and take. Like, he tries mm. to kill me. I try to kill him. That's One a of these relationship. Days, yeah. There can only be one. <laughs> Highlander. And it's definitely the older one. <laughs> <laughs> He's old for a reason. Yeah. He survived. <laughs> he survived. So you said you did spend time in, was it Iraq? I've been to Iraq for six months and Afghanistan for eight and a half. And you wrote a song, maybe? Bit yes. On Iraq? Yep. So that was my first deployment. I was 20 at the time. And I was married. I got married young. And um, How old were you? I was 19 or 20 when I got married. Jesus. I know. That's the thing, though, in the military, is that your life is it's on fast pace. It's yeah, fast yeah. forward. It's, it's like military culture. Yeah, it is. It, unfortunately, you know, it's just like, it's, a, it's bad. It's not really great. Because you have all these boys, you know, these kids that are getting married, myself included. You know, and it's because... Their life is so quick, it's so fast, and if you don't make the best of it, if you don't make that decision to do something, you're gonna go, like you're gonna regret it. You know, so kids end up getting married, having <coughs> children and whatnot, and at a very young age. You know, and people like civilians, I say civilians because they're not in the military, like they they have they don't do that. They wait until they're like late twenties, early thirties, right? Yeah. Forty five. You know, still single. <laughs> <laughs> so that's. I learned him a lesson. My dad's been married about five times. You know, it's a shame to say, but it's true. You know, so I, I, I don't want to fall in that, like that, that footsteps, you know. The, not, that pattern. Yeah, you know, so I'm just kind of like back out to that and just kind of do my thing until I end up getting out and can actually live like a steady life. So what's uh, the, the name of the second song that we played? I'd give it all up for this. And that was based on what? So, and as an Afghan, um... The woman I was married to at the time, being my first deployment, it was pretty rough and uh, like really rough. Things were popping off left and right, and it was too much for me 
at that age. I wasn't ready for it. I don't really think anyone ever is, you know. To be married that young? No, not to be, like, to be married that young. And just all the stresses, you know, like, the violence and being over there and, like, the Middle East and all of those experiences, you know, like, the fast-paced life, just constantly up for, like, 16, 18-hour days, you know, just going nonstop. And the ironic part was I was installing air conditioning units in the 130-degree weather. <laughs> <laughs> like, once the air conditioning gets fixed, you have to leave. Like, mm. it's hot as fuck. Uh, and then, yeah. oh, it's fixed. Go to another hot place. Exactly. Yeah. But, Jesus. So, like, you know, being in the Middle East, you can imagine things weren't that, you know, like, they weren't Ideal. That. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, just use imagination. Yeah, wa- watch a military movie, if you will. You'll get yeah. the idea. Yeah, it's shit. I don't want to hurt so the song, the song name is "I Give It All Up." I'd give it all up for this. All right, so let's check out this song by Sean White. Across your skin 
Trust me when I say I'll give it all up for this If these moments with you will last forever I'll be a knight In shining armor Always there to save you Somehow always one step behind You'll always be in my mind Now it's time to go I'm running out of lines one thing is for sure, this you have to know That you and I, we made this Such perfect bliss That second that we held on to Just for one last So you spent time in Iraq. I did. So you said what, and just, just over six months? Uh, it was about six months, yeah. In and you wrote that song while you were there? I was, yeah. I had my guitar and um, I had the luxury of having my guitar and I sat down for about, maybe it took me like an hour to write. So you're allowed to bring your guitar? I was okay. then, yeah. Was, you, were, uh, you were then? I was then, yeah. Did that make you stand out on bass? Um, I typically played like behind closed doors, you know, or like near my room or like my little hut that I stayed in. But yeah, it wasn't too bad. Everyone else there was pretty accepting of everything. And yeah, whatever luxury I I was able to bring, they were able to bring like their own luxury. So what would most people bring as a luxury? I mean, you have like your video games, you have like your music, your stereo system, you know, whatever the comforts from home that they can fit in their little box. Was there anything that like you envied? Like, oh, you brought this? Not really. I had, I had my guitar. That was good. Yeah. yeah. You just needed that one thing. Just that one thing. So you spent roughly six months there, and then what? You went back home. I went back home for about a year, and I did. Uh, I, I was in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I stayed there for about a year. And uh, I ended up going back out the door to Afghanistan. And how long were you there? About eight and a half months. So you were you were in Iraq and and Afghanistan. That's true. Yeah. Was there a preference? Like oh my god. So there's a huge difference. I don't really know about preference. There's just a huge difference in like lifestyle mm. between both countries. So Iraq at the time that I was there in 2010. It was rather commercial, really, 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 like, really built up. And you could get anything you wanted. Anything. Anything within a matter of a day. It was that easy, you know? And so I go to Afghanistan, and 
I'm in the middle of the mountains. It was like the wild, wild west. Like, What do you mean by that? Between the level of violence and just like how everything was kind of like outdated. I, I look outside in the town, you know, from where I was, and they're still building the houses out of mud and sticks, you know, and then they have vehicles, of course, but everything else is just kind of dilapidated and 40 years behind. And so... I mean, that's just the culture, though. That's just how they, like, how they live. And I, I can't really say much with that. You know, it's go to Mexico and you still have people using stucco and adobe. So there, it was just mud and sticks to build the huts. And in Afghanistan, it took me six months, almost six months, to get a shipment of things that I needed to be able to do my job, which was plumbing and HVAC and any kind of construction materials. Like, it took me six months to get anything right you know so huge difference you had to make do with what you had even if you had nothing you had to make something you know and i always made do and we, we always did like we all did there was about six of us there on that one site and uh, as far as cbs go and um cbs cbs construction types okay. yeah electricians plumbers um structural engineers builders welders equipment operators mechanics and uh like surveyors, engineering aids type deal. Okay. So, yeah. And I'm a plumber and HVAC tech. So you spent eight months? Yeah, about eight and a half, yeah. Eight and a half? January and then September. you went home? I went home. I finally went home. How long did you spend there? At home? Yeah. So I got home about, what, September of 2012, and I ended up leaving California, uh, Virginia in March to go to Texas for three months to go to school for the Navy uh, to learn more about my job as an HVAC tech, um, doing, like, trig, physics, calculus, stuff like that for HVAC, you know, theory and everything. And then uh, I went to California for about three and a half years. Okay. And then you ended up here. So how did you end up in South Korea? So I spent three and a half years in California. I went to Japan twice, uh, Okinawa and Yokosuka, Japan. I did two diplomas there, both six months apiece. And um, just that, like the rotation, you know, like the year home, six months out from the time that I got there and the time that I left, that was just kind of how it happened. You know, two fixes, I guess two field exercises and two deployments. And I was given a choice when I had to leave. It was um, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba and Chinhe, South Korea. And so um, I'm fair-skinned folk, don't really do well in the sun. And everyone was just like, my dad, he was just like, go to Korea. Listen to me, boy, go to Korea. And I was just like, all right, go to Korea. And you haven't re- regretted it? No, I've been loving yeah. it here ever since. I've had work the best time of my life here. You know, the work is very hard. It's very demanding, you know, because it's something that I'm not used to. But given enough time, I'll be all right. You know, the after, the after party, so to speak, is where I make my money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's your drink of choice? My drink of choice. Well, I usually go for beer, but um, I usually go, I make a killer Moscow mule. And what is that? A Moscow mule. Bear with me, if you will. So, it's a hand-beaten copper mug. Think about it. Sit in the freezer. It's nice and crisp. You have the condensation running out when you take it out of the freezer. Mm. It's nice and cold, frosty. All right. You get smooth. Shaved, mm, shaved ice. You get your shaved ice. You put it in the mug. Just a handful. A handful of dew. You get your bitters, you take your bitters, you pour it over the ice. You take that, you put your hand over the mug, you shake it around a couple times. 
you dump the ice out. You put brand Fuck the ice. Ah, you know, you put brand new ice in. So the ice and the bitters, of course, will melt. And you'll have the residual bitters actually inside the mug. That's all the bitters you need. You put the fresh ice in. You get a shot and a half of Tito's handmade vodka. Tito's. Tito's from Austin, Texas, actually. Delicious. It's like low middle shelf. Scrumptious. Oh, decadent, if you will. And you put a shot and a half of that. You get some Bundaberg ginger beer. Non- yeah, non-alcoholic. Sexy. Ah, Bundaberg. It's Australian ginger beer. You do maybe three quarters of a bottle of that. You get a lime. You quarter it. You take the lime, the quarter lime that you have. You squeeze it in and you put the rind in. You stir it up and there you have it. A Moscow meal. You put a copper straw in. Copper straw? I have copper straws. Oh, shit. Come to my house, man. I'll make you, I'll make you a fucking Moscow meal that'll take a pants off. Right on. What? <laughs> Other than the proof that, is in the pudding. Ah, in the pudding. What? <laughs> he, doesn't have, he doesn't have pants on now. So. Yeah. <laughs> ah, None of us true. are wearing pants. I think those are chubbies. I'm not really sure. <laughs> so you're living in Jinhe. I'm like right outside. The wondrous yeah. city of Jinhe. Which is uh, Phil's hometown. Uh, it's great. It's are you enjoying place. it there? I love it. It's quiet. It's peaceful. It's, it's quaint. It's very quaint. It's green. The air is crisp and clear. And it's clean. I look up and I see mountains covered in green. I look around and I see cherry blossom trees in the spring. They're pink and white. It's beautiful. But any other time, it's just green. It's a lot of nature. It's, like he said, it's very quaint. Yeah. And then on the occasional time, you come to Changwon downtown. Yeah. Occasionally. When I want to lose myself, yeah. I can end up coming. That's what? Like, like weekend. twice a week. In the moment. Yeah. In the movement. <laughs> yeah. I'll end up yeah. coming home around five in the morning. Are you a gamer? <laughs> um... Oh, well, yes, I am. Sounds like it was girls. <laughs> oh, come on, come on. <laughs> there we go. What's uh, your game of choice these days? The Legend of Zelda. Since 1988, I will always be I know that the Zelda of Hyrule. I know that game. Kind of old one, that game. What do you think about uh, Breath of the Wild? Uh, it's the best game yet. So between Is it better than the original? Ocarina of Time? Or the word to mean the original. Link to the past. A link to the past. Oh, bye. Hands down. Easy. Yes. So I just, have no just, idea what you guys are talking about. Yeah. Video games. <laughs> I know Zelda. Is it better? Is it better than Ocarina of Time? Yes. For its time. Yes. Ocarina of Time set a standard. It set a staple. It was the pinnacle of its time. Every th- single game that has come out after Ocarina of Time, for Zelda purposes, in it, you know what I'm saying, has been compared to Ocarina of Time. Breath of the Wild is a game of its own. It wipes the floor. It really does. Yeah. It really does. I've put maybe 200 hours in, and I'm 30% of the way through. So you're talking about video games or yeah, yeah, like yeah. Xbox? Just or? one. Nintendo. Nintendo. All Nintendo. You have the Wii? I have the Wii U. Wii U. I have the Wii U, the Wii, the Nintendo 64, the SNES, the NES. You the have a 64? Boys. I have everything. Here? No. Oh. I know. I had a Wii here, and... He's a Wii now. I broke a TV with it, so. <laughs> Doing bowling. You didn't use the wrist strap. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't me, actually. It was somebody else, but, so. You can blame them. But, uh, how do we get into video games? He was a He just asked me. All right. Yeah. I know his love for But you have access Zelda. to it here. Oh, yeah. I have my Wii U. I'm about to get a Nintendo Switch, and, um... I'm a big collector of like Nintendo things and just video games, like nostalgic video games. So 
So how do you compare South Korea to Afghan and Iraq? There is no comparison. No. There really isn't. Afghan and Iraq are two completely different beasts. Um, I can live here comfortably. Mm. And I say that with everything that's going on here in Korea. I can live here comfortably. Could you fix any air conditioning? Yes, of course. Okay. Come over to my house later this week. All right. So it's definitely, it's pretty Western here. It is. Say, right? It's very much so built up. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. Like, I think Afghan and obviously Iraq is obviously a big difference in here. They're both third world countries. I mean, just in general, yeah. There's like, I would even compare like South Korea to the US maybe 25 years ago. Mm. Yeah. They're still a little so, behind. They're coming up, but they're still a little behind. So how long are you looking to spend in South Korea? As long as I can. Three years plus. Really? Yeah, I love it here. So in your first six months here, you're really enjoying things. I've been rather lucky meeting the right people, being at the right place at the right time. And I've made a lot of really good friends here. And I'm having the greatest, like this, this is the best time I've ever had in my life. Not here. On, not here on the podcast, so. Yeah, you know. This is great. Don't get me wrong. It's a good time. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say we're friends, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're fun. enjoying Jene? Yeah, I am. Uh, I've been to... Do you have that option? Can what? you, like... Uh, Move around? Can I'm, you say, I want to stay here for three years, or... I can, yeah. You can? So I put Exclusively in... Exclusively in Jene. Well, I mean, just not base, yeah. Yeah. So, like, my current duty station is Public Works Jinhe. Um, I was only supposed to be here for about one year, 12 months. That's all I was really allotted for. But I can put in a request to extend one year to make it a total of two years. And being that this is my shore duty, I'm not deploying, I'm staying here, I can put in for a total of three years. Seems like they need you here, though. They do. They already approved me for one year, so I'll be here for two years. Next February, I'll be putting in for my third year. Okay. And is there a certain time frame you have to do in the Navy? Like, What do you mean? As a contract worker? I have worker? no idea. I'm, I'm from Canada, so yeah. I have no it's, idea. It's contract, right? Uh, like, kind of. If you sign up for Army, Navy, oh, yeah, do, contract do, do, do you have to do so many years? Yes. So my first contract was five years, and I re-enlisted for another three-ish years. And this is my third re-enlistment. I re-enlisted on St. Patrick's Day of this year for five years. So you can choose the time between uh, one year to six years of how much time you want to re-enlist. But depending on your job that you choose initially in the military will depict how, like, your minimum time that you need, like, required to serve. Mm. So, yeah, mine, mine required to serve is five. Okay. So I re-enlisted twice. So... But twice is what, two years? Oh, twice uh, it was what, three years, four years, and then like another five years. So I'm at my nine-year mark right now, okay. and that was, that'll hit my nine-year mark here in September. So if you wanted to get out... I'd have to wait until my contract's up five years from now. Five years? Yeah. Okay. At my 13-and-a-half-year mark, I want to say. Okay. St. Paddy's Day of like 2022. St. Paddy's? St. Paddy's Day. <laughs> All right, and... What do you think about the Changwon area in general? Oh, it's great. I mean, Chinhei, like, Changwon, Masan. Uh, Masan's a little... Easy. Rough. I live there. <laughs> uh, Masan's great. What are you talking about, man? <laughs> Masan's shit. <laughs> <laughs> Chinhei till you die. 
Jinhe and Changwon are where I like to like spend most of my time. Masan, mm. um, it's mostly there just for business. It's a little rundown, right. but it's it's homely. I feel if like, you will, I feel like Jinhe is picking up. Like, <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's building up quick. Like yeah. it's uh, the commerce there is just kind of booming at the moment. Now, I, I mean, I consider Masan, Changwon, and Jinhe all the same like One metropolitan same. area. Yeah. Uh, Minus when you go to a train station, you have to be very specific. Do you think your job would be different if you were living in, say, Seoul area? Hands down. Compared much, to much here? different, yeah. Um, Tension-wise? I mm, no. don't want to go too much into it, but... No, nah, sorry. I mean, everyone knows what's going on in North Korea and South Korea. Mom, Dad, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to die. <laughs> I'm on a dumb podcast for Christ's sake. <laughs> definitely the best best area to be in if you're in South Korea. That I is think. true. Like the southern portion yeah. of South Korea. The farthest away from Seoul, more or less. Yeah. But, but, but there is a difference. Do they have the Navy in Seoul? No. This is the no. only yeah, Navy that's what in I thought, so. South Korea. I guess you can't compare, so... I mean, I could get stationed up there, but I'd be attached to a different unit type deal. Mm. Mostly, you know, like army, and Korean army and whatnot. So you're enjoying your time here? Love it. That's great. Looking to spend two or three years here. Um, yeah. Drinking a couple Moscow mules. I got a couple down. <laughs> and you did do a third song for us, but one of your strings broke. So. Yeah. yeah. I was doing uh, it. And it popped. <laughs> but we might close out the show with part of that song anyway. hey, I'd, that'd be cool yeah I played a little bit of it uh, to close out the show this is Sean White uh, with his instrumental uh, before he breaks the string part of it anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At, at least part of it <laughs> so if my people if people want to get in contact with you how can they get in contact with so you so I'm on Facebook uh, Sean M. White S-E-A-N M as in Michael White as in the color or there's my Instagram, which is Thaddeus Cornbuckle1089. Thaddeus with one D, Cornbuckle, all one word, 1089. And you'll find me there. Uh-huh. And Phil, if people want to get in contact with you. Phil Way Stan and on Instagram and Facebook, Philip Wayne Stanley. All right, and people want to get in contact with me, too bad. <laughs> Take that. But you can find Suck me. It. Anything at, Changwaner at Changwaner. Yeah, Scott at Changwaner at uh, hellosCott.com or hellosCott.com. Yeah. That's a letter. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Hello, Scott. Not, not, not many people do. So. <laughs> That's too funny, man. Yeah. Oh, but uh, yeah. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Hi, right, thanks everybody. It was, a, it was a pleasure. Thanks, Sean, for being on the show. Hi, thanks for having me here. And what was the name of the song before you broke a string? Ah, uh, there actually wasn't just a name. I'm just going to call it... Untitled 2? Untitled. Or two. Untitled. Instrumental. Actually, no, we can call it Pop the String. Pop, Pop the, the String. string. I right. like it. So this is Pop the String. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, and yeah. we'll catch you next time on K-Pod. Have a great everybody. night. I skull. Drink up.
Thanks for tuning in to K-Pod. Stay tuned for our next episode.